0: Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church Podcast Ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. We are in a series called Peace that Passes All Understanding. And next Sunday, we'll conclude that. It's December 26th, and so we'll conclude that series with a a talk on... um, how to experience peace when you're disappointed in God. That's a hard subject, isn't it? Uh, we're in this week where perhaps you are going to gather gifts together and you're going to wrap gifts. I know I wrapped some gifts uh, yesterday uh, afternoon, and as you're wrapping gifts, you're kind of anticipating the moment where someone will unwrap what you've wrapped. Um... Sometimes I just wish we could just leave the Amazon packaging the way it is and just give them the cardboard box, right? Like it's already wrapped. You don't know what's in it. Um, but there's that anticipation when they open it that they won't be disappointed in what they receive. How do we respond when our hearts go to a place where we're actually disappointed in In God. And so that'll be next Sunday. So if you're watching online or if you're here, uh, I'd encourage you to join us next Sunday as we look at peace that passes all understanding, even when we're disappointed in God. Uh, Today, though, we're talking about this subject, peace, even while we are waiting. We'll launch off here in Luke chapter two, as we've done the last couple of weeks, where the Bible says this, the angels rejoice, right? And this is what they're saying, glory to God in highest heaven. And peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. By the time we get to Luke chapter number two, it is a glorious proclamation the angels are making that is actually 400 years plus in the making. 400 years of waiting for this news, for waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And in our Bibles, when we go from the Old to the New Testament, we go to Malachi, and it takes a moment to turn the page, and we're already in Matthew. We're already in the birth of Jesus Christ. We're already in the Gospels. But in the timeline of history, that page turn from Malachi to Matthew took 400 years. Everything that was promised in the Old Testament, everything that they had been waiting for took 400 years for the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, What do you think about when you think about waiting? I think about the DMV's office. I think about walking in. You guys have it easy, by the way. I love the Roseburg DMV. I love that I'm going to meet four people I already know and two more people I'll probably Be friends with by the end of it, and it's like a normally it's a really easy wait. When I've gone to the DMV here in Southern California, when you go into the DMV, you kind of block out two and a half days because you just don't know how long you get there when you're 14 years old for your license because it could be your next birthday by the time you get to the front waiting. Right? You think about uh, going to a restaurant, and it doesn't happen often in Roseburg, but when you go to a restaurant and there's A 45-minute wait. Um, One of the most difficult things in our world, in our life to do, is to wait, especially when we have access to anything. We have access to everything at a moment's notice. If you're wondering how many people ate a pizza yesterday in Roseburg, you could probably Google it right now and find out. If you're wondering any bit of information, you could probably get it in a moment's noting. And so the idea of waiting gets really, really complicated. It gets hard. It gets really difficult for us, especially when we're waiting for God. One of the most difficult places to be in life is when we're waiting for God. Why is it taking so long? Are you listening? Have you forgotten me? Do you even care, God? Maybe you're praying that God would heal uh, you or a family member from an illness, and you're wondering why it's taking so long, or why he won't answer the prayer, or why it feels like the prayer just falls on deaf ears, or maybe you're praying for a loved one to come to Christ, and maybe it's a son, or a daughter, or a brother, and a sister, and for the life of you, you all grew up in the same home. You can't figure out why this person is so far away from God, and you pray. You pray every morning. You pray every night. You pray every meal, and you wonder, why God aren't you listening? Maybe you are praying that God would gift you with a job, with real benefits and real pay so that you can care for your family and that uh, next Christmas would be even better than this Christmas. And you wonder, uh, you have all the skills, you have filled out all the applications, and you're wondering, why in the world am I still waiting? You're asking God to heal you from depression or to save the relationships or to bring you a relationship, and yet the more you pray, the less you see. And so you wonder, where are you, God? You've been praying, you've been begging, you've been waiting, you've been wondering, you're believing that God can, but He hasn't. And so today we discuss peace even while we're waiting. You see, there's moments and seasons, if we're honest, where the waiting from God can feel like an eternity. In Scripture, this is exactly what people felt like when they were waiting on God to send a Savior. God promised to send a Messiah. God would send a Savior of the world and He promised it would happen. And then, nothing. For decades. For centuries. In fact, how long would the people of God have to wait for God's promise to be fulfilled? Well, we go all the way back to the beginning. We go to Genesis and we see the creation of the world. We see where uh, Adam and Eve were created and we see the relationship they had with God. And we see the moment where they fell, where both Adam and Eve fell short of the glory of God. We see how that God restores that relationship beautifully in Genesis chapter 3, and he provides covering for them, and he provides a way for them to continue their relationship with God. How many of you are glad that even though we've made mistakes, God has allowed for us to continue our relationship with him? Genesis 3, he restores the relationship of Adam and Eve, and he drops um, uh, clues and breadcrumbs along the way that in one way or another, God would restore that perfect relationship, that perfect union with man somehow. We come to Uh, You read through Genesis, and you come to Genesis chapter 12, and you're introduced to Abram, and Abram is given these promises, uh, but he's given this command first, and he says, God says, go to a land that I'm going to show you. Get in your car, pack up the vehicle. I'm going to go. You just keep driving, and I'll tell you when you're there. And during the course of Genesis chapter 12, there's these unbelievable promises that have been granted to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant where uh, God promises him, children more than just a child children and more than just that he promises them a descendants and a seed that will be greater than the sand at the sea and greater than the number of stars in the sky in other words god is going to restore relationship with mankind and he's going to do it through the seed of abraham and then all through the old testament you end up hearing this phrase the god of abraham isaac and Jacob why is it always repeated that way why is so often we're reminded of who Abraham is and then Isaac and then Jacob well partly it's because God is a generational God looking to restore these relationships looking for the completion of this promise and all through the Old Testament they're waiting they're waiting in exodus They're waiting as they are slaves. They're waiting as there's going to be some kind of Savior that redeems them and restores them and provides value and worth to their life once again, where they're not just a number, where they're not just another slave trying to fill a quota, but they're actually now the people of God. They just keep waiting. And so Moses is chosen, and and all of a sudden there's, there's a breath of fresh air. And now they've seen the exodus of God's people out of Egypt and they are standing at the the Dead Sea and all of a sudden they cross the Dead Sea. Pharaoh's enemies are swallowed up in the sea and now they have achieved freedom from Egypt. Only to enter this period this ten-day journey, the Bible says, translates into a forty-year odyssey for them, and they're just waiting. They're waiting for the promised land. You read through the Old Testament, you come to Joshua, and Joshua is chosen after uh, Moses' death to be the guy who leads them into the promised land. And if you want, uh, if you want um, a story that's just filled with blood and gore and violence and you just read the book of Joshua. That's all it is. Like they're given the promised land, and now they have to fight for it. Now they have to take out the inhabitants, and now they have to destroy the, the, the people that are there that are, uh, represent what is evil and what is against God's commands. And you get to Joshua, and then all of a sudden, uh, at the end of uh, Joshua, it just feels like everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. In other words, there was no law, there was no rules anymore. They just did what they wanted. Why? Because they're waiting for a savior still. Judges end up taking over, and so uh, all of a sudden, these judges are called upon to um, to lead the people. We come to First Samuel, and we see Saul being the king. And maybe now the people of Israel have this, just like everyone else. We got a king, just like everyone else, and that ends spectacularly. They have David, and for. David, this was, he was anointed as a teenager and now they have this king that God had anointed, that God had chosen. And you read through the Old Testament and they just keep waiting for this Savior. They just wait and they wait and they wait. In fact, by the time we get to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, the Bible says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And if I'm part of the children of Israel, I feel like I'd be saying, yeah, no kidding. We've heard this. Isaiah proclaimed this, and we think this was a great moment of proclamation. This was 700 years before the birth of Christ. There would still be 700 years they would have to wait. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years miraculously before the event Isaiah prophecies, and yet there's this waiting. What's God doing while we're waiting? Is He being cruel? Is He being playful? Is He teasing us? They're fair questions. We talked about the Old and the New Testament in those 400 years in between. The Old Testament ended in Malachi, and it's 400 years before the New Testament starts in the book of Matthew. And during this time, during this 400 years, there was no word from the Lord. There was no prophet. There was, uh, no one spoke from God. No one uh, gave the oracles of God. No one took the word of God and gave it to the people. It was just this period of silence. And this made things way, way more difficult because they were still waiting for a Savior. But before, when they were waiting, at least God was speaking. But now they continue to wait and they heard nothing at all. I'm guessing that someone here probably feels like that. You're waiting on something. You have faith for something. You believed for something. And yet there's nothing from God. There's no word from the Lord. There's no sign. And all you want is an answer, some answer, any answer. And yet for most of us, we continue to wait. I want to begin with this premise this morning. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. In fact, let's say those words out loud just for affirmation for our own souls this morning. Ready? Begin. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. While you're waiting, while you're wondering behind the scenes, the goodness of God, the power of God, the provision of God, the grace of God is still working. He's always working. He's working in all things to bring about good. He loves you. He's a good, good father. And so just because it feels like God is silent does not mean he's absent. In fact, God is always working even while you're waiting. I want to show you a text in the New Testament that talks about the birth of Jesus Christ in Galatians chapter 4. Evident we see God's timing coming about. He says this in Galatians 4. 4 in verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the fullness of time had come, it's interesting because in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of a woman was mentioned. Here it says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Similar language is using. Uh, So the fullness of time means the perfect moment, the uh, perfect time uh, that God sent his son to purchase us from our sinful lifestyle, to redeem us, to forgive us, to give us peace. We're no longer children of sin, instead we're children of the Most High. Our God did that and this is the way he described it, at the fullness of time, at the perfect moment, at the perfect time. Now, the phrase in Greek is interesting. It's uh, two words. It's this word chrono and it's the word pleroma. Chrono is this word for chronology. It's the word we use to get uh, clock or time. And the pleroma is this word for complete or together or fullness. Literally, this phrase together means this. When it says the fullness of time, it means this. uh, When the time was fully pregnant, that's the picture the Greek writer is using. Isn't that a beautiful way to paint this picture? When the time was fully pregnant, in other words, the perfect time, um, you couldn't force it, you can't stop it. It was the perfect time. And if it's not God's time, you can't make it happen. But when the time is fully right, there was no power on earth that could stop the will of God from happening. And so when the fullness of time had come, when the time was perfect, God sent His Son born Of a woman. It's interesting because in Genesis it talks about the seed of a woman in Genesis chapter 3 and uh, paints this picture that the seed of a woman would come, um, the Savior would crush the serpent. If you look everywhere else in Scripture, whenever you look at um, the genealogy, it's always used, uh, it always talks about the seed of a man. This is the only time you're going to see the seed of a woman. Why is that? Because Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born from the seed of a sinful, he wasn't, I should say, born from the seed of a sinful earthly man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. His Father was divine in nature. He was perfect in every way. That's why he could be the sacrifice, uh, the innocent one, the Lamb of God. That's how good our God is, that he chose the perfect time. It's interesting how Scripture passes together because centuries had to pass before the time was perfect. I could make peace with years passing by. But in the timeline of God's perfect will, centuries had to pass. And that's how Scripture ties this together. People were waiting on this Savior, and God fulfilled His promise and sent Jesus as the Messiah when the time is right. It's interesting because there's moments in our life, maybe you're like me, where you can look back on your life and you can understand that when you look back in hindsight, you see more of the why behind the wait. In the moment, it's really hard to see the why behind the wait. And we don't understand why the pieces haven't fit quite together and why God hasn't provided in certain areas of our life and so in the moment it's very confusing and all we see are the gaps and the holes in God's design and we say God do you need a little help I feel like I could help you out a little bit there's things that you kind of have missed in your perspective and what we realize is when we move from that point maybe a few years later or a few months later we look back and we see oh man I'm really glad God didn't answer that prayer when I prayed it I was not emotionally ready or physically ready or spiritually ready. I'm really God, glad God didn't answer that prayer then. Years later, you can look back and you can see that God had timing in mind. So just because God does, uh, God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. And if you're waiting, remember God is still working. Uh, these 400 years of silence uh, if you if you have room on your notes, I didn't put these in your notes, but you could write these down. In these 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament, God wasn't absent. He was actually working. And if you just read through history, you're going to find five and more things. I'm going to mention five of them. But five really crucial elements in history that were really perfect timing during these 400 years. Uh, by way of history, here's five important things that happened during those 400 years. Really quickly, first... Um, it was a time of a common language. During this time, in a matter of 12 years, Alexander the Great conquered the known world. It was significant because it would be the first time in history there would be this common language. And in those days, almost everyone spoke a little bit of Greek because they needed to because Alexander the Great conquered the world. So I want you to think about there was a common language established. Number two, the Old Testament was now translated into Greek. So this language that everyone was speaking to became the language that the Torah, the Old Testament, was translated into. So the Old Testament and all of its prophecies about a Messiah were now translated into Greek. So we have uh, a common language is established. Number two, uh, everyone is using this common language. So now the Torah, uh, the Old Testament, is translated into Greek. Number three, um, we, we see that the Socratic method is now used. This was a new way of learning. For the first time, instead of just teaching with one-way communication, people were encouraged to ask questions and they learned by asking, not just by hearing. So think about this. The language is now common. The Old Testament is now translated into this common language. The Socratic method is now Embrace where people can ask questions about things they don't understand. Number four, the Romans conquered the Greeks. This was very unusual and unprecedented season of peace. Rome wasn't having to fight wars, instead they developed roads and highways, you ever hear the Romans road? This was the most advanced piece of technology that they had to deliver news. Now, all of a sudden, there was roads and highways and a transportation system making transportation possible like it never was before. So I want you to think about how God is working during this silence. Common language. The Old Testament now is translated. The Socratic method where people can ask questions is encouraged. The Romans conquered the Greek, which allowed the Romans' road to uh, make transportation of goods and services and literature. Very easy. And then number five, we have the Diaspora. This was the season where the Jews were dispersed. That's where that word comes from. They were forbidden from living in Jerusalem. They were dispersed or spread throughout the entire Roman world. What's the significance of this period, you ask? What is it? What is happening when it feels like God is being silent? Where we have this common language. The Old Testament is translated into Greek. People are encouraged to ask questions when they learn. Transportation was made way more efficient, and Jews were now living outside of Jerusalem. And suddenly, God's people were positioned, do you see that, to spread his word and his promises throughout the world? So in this moment of time where we turn the page from Malachi to Matthew, it almost feels like Uh, too soon in our mind when we just go right from one page to the next page and we fail to see that God was working through these 400 years of silence, setting up the stage so when the birth of Christ would happen... When the gospel, when Jesus would live out this life, when the early church would start, all of a sudden, Jews would have this uh, way of getting the scripture like they never had before. They would be able to translate it in a common language so that the world could hear about Jesus. So even though it felt like there's this period of silence and God is just sitting and he's not doing anything, God is working. I want you to know that in your life, when it feels like God is being silent, he's working the details. And we can't comprehend the breadth, the depth, the height, the love of Jesus Christ. But he's working through all those details. Out of nowhere, the first time in history, the good news of a Savior would be able to travel throughout the world in a common language across roads and highways, Through a Jewish people who were spread throughout the entire Roman world, through Gentiles and beyond. In other words, while God's people were waiting, God was still working. There's something you're praying for, there's something you're wondering, there's something you're hoping, there's something you're waiting for, and I just want to encourage you God is still working. You're waiting, you're believing, you're doing everything you know to do. You're trusting in a God who says he can, yet he hasn't. And you might be wondering, what did I do wrong? Have I failed? Have I not measured up? Am I no longer able to uh, see God work in my life anymore? Is this how it's going to be? No, sometimes when we're waiting is the period where God is doing his most detailed work. If you're waiting this morning, you're not alone. Scripture is fraught with stories of people who are waiting. So I want you to think about what are you waiting for? For some of you, you're waiting for um, the house to come. You're waiting for the housing situation to just change. You're waiting for a relationship in your life to be restored. You're waiting for a mom or a dad to answer the phone when you call. You're waiting for a son or a daughter to come back to the faith. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for God to reveal purpose in your life and you feel like maybe you're just kind of in between spots and you've given your life to Jesus and you're wondering, "Well, what's he going to do with it now?" I've given it to him and it doesn't feel like I know what's next. Maybe you're just waiting for healing to happen around this relationship between you and your spouse and you're married and you're doing this thing and you're doing it together and now the kids are out of the house and It's just different and you're waiting for God to heal and restore that relationship. There's a situation at work maybe or there's a situation with your retirement and you're just waiting for God to figure that out. You're waiting for Christmas because these next five or six days are going to be the most stressful for you because family is going to come together. When family comes together, that means family comes together. You're waiting and it's difficult to wait what are you waiting for? Abraham and Sarah would wait 25 years to hold their baby Isaac. They would doubt God. They would take shortcuts. But it took them 25 years to hold their baby Isaac. Joseph had a vision to rule, to lead, to influence. And Joseph waited 13 years, much of it in prison for a crime he didn't commit. In the New Testament there's this woman who comes to Jesus and uh, the Bible describes as a woman had an issue with blood for 12 years, 12 years in private agony, 12 years in pain, 12 years with this blood condition who uh, around others would just look like a normal person, just going through life happy as could be. But 12 years waiting and waiting just to touch the hem of the garment of the one who said, Your faith has healed you. And the New Testament tells us a story about this man who couldn't walk for 38 years. He's unable to walk before Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, Pick up your mat, take it home on two feet, you're healed. You see, while you're waiting, and while you're waiting, God is working. Even when you don't see anything, God is working. While you're hoping, while you're wondering, God is working. And maybe what God is doing right now is he's teaching you to depend on him more than your circumstances. Maybe he's revealing his faithfulness to you that in this moment where it feels like he is absent, he is still meeting you, he is making sure all your needs are met, he's still loving you, he's still being faithful to you. Maybe he's teaching you patience. How many of you have prayed for patience? Y'all are just living out the answer to that prayer. Maybe he's knocking something off of you. You're carrying something with you. You're carrying this guilt or this shame or this uh, this expectation on yourself, and He's using this period of waiting to just knock that off of you. Maybe He's chipping away at a a sin. Maybe He's conforming you to the image of God. He is doing something. He is working in this waiting, and so I want to encourage you this morning not to waste the waiting. Look at Isaiah sixty-four. Um, You'll have to turn there because I added this late. It's not in your notes. Isaiah chapter 64. And maybe you want to write it down for later. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4 says this. From of old no one has heard or perceived by ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful promise. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You see, when you wait on God, He acts on your behalf. When you wait on God, He moves on behalf of you. He responds, He initiates, He interrupts. And while no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no one has conceived the goodness, the power, the grace, the glory of God who acts on behalf of those who wait on Him. If you are waiting on Him this morning, good news, He acts on your behalf. While you wait for Him to work out the finances, while you wait for for him to restore relationships while you wait for him to restore things in your life you thought were beyond restoring god acts on those who wait for him um there's no need for us to rush god on his timetable because his time is perfect his ways are perfect his timing is perfect and you Can trust him. You've given him your life. You've given him your life in terms of salvation. And you trusted in him. And while we hold. While we give him eternity to hold. How many of you understand it's hard for him. For us to give him Monday. Like take care of everything after I die God. But Monday and Tuesday I got this. Let me take care of it. My timetable. My schedule. But he acts on those who wait on him. He acts for those. What's he doing while we're waiting? He's working. It's incredibly interesting to me that, um, that our faith is what it is in terms of compared to other uh, faiths. When you think about it, uh, every other faith system in the world is a system where people will pursue God. God. Any other system, you try to win the favor of God with good works. You try to win the love of God. You try to perform the way uh, that he would want. If you're good, you gain favor, and if you're not, you lose favor. You look at every other system in the world. People work their way to God because they're pursuing God. This faith, Christianity, is so different because we serve a God who pursues us. When the time was just right, when the time had fully come, when the time was perfect, God sent his son, his only and one son. He pursued us. He pursued us. One more verse this morning. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 says this. The Lord isn't really being slow. Some of you just need to memorize those six words. God, I've been, I've been waiting for, yeah, the Lord isn't really being slow. I've been waiting for this situation to work out for like seven minutes, God. I feel like I prayed it just like a few minutes ago. The Lord, it really isn't being slow. Lord, there's this relationship. Um, and the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient. For whose sake? Yeah, for our sake. You ever think that God is, wait, while we're waiting, God is working out a situation for our benefit, for our sake? The verse ends this way He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. It's a beautiful promise. No one has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. There's a beautiful verse in the Old Testament as well, in Isaiah. Uh, You probably know it, and it says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength it shall mount up with wings like eagles. I don't know the rest. Um, the the verses those that wait upon the Lord. Uh, we talked about restaurants earlier, and when you go to a restaurant, you know what um, what ends up being a really great experience at a restaurant. I mean, good food is one thing, but how many understand good service kind of puts it over the top. Like if you end up having a good waiter. A good waiter makes all the difference in the world. I looked in the dictionary once what a good waiter is. If you look up the dictionary, a waiter or a waitress, it simply says someone who waits. Now the picture of a good waiter, I want you to picture it right now. Some of you are going to lunch afterwards. I want you to picture what a good waiter is. You got it in your mind? You're sitting there and what happens? They meet you right away. They grab your drink. They're back with the menus. They're telling you the specials. They're complimenting you on your hair. They're making you feel good about the experience. You didn't have to laugh that loud, Ryan. They are making sure every one of your needs are attended when your diet soda with lime is near empty. They come and give you another one. They make sure your food is good. They make sure you know what the dessert is just in case you want to save room. They box up your things for you. They make sure your bill's correct. They make sure the, a waiter isn't someone who sits. In fact, if you had a waiter and all they did was sit, my goodness, right? I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this verse in Isaiah that says this. Those who wait upon the Lord. You see, while we're waiting, we have an obligation not to just sit and to wait, but to serve. See, a good waiter is someone who serves you well. And so while we wait, how do we experience peace during this season? Even while we're waiting, we serve. We do what's asked of us. We make sure that God's, uh, that God's attention is arrested by our devotion to him. And we wait, and we serve, and we wait, and we serve, and we wait, and we serve. And while we're waiting, we're serving. Our hearts are in the right place. We're not just sitting waiting. We're not just sitting doing nothing. We're not just sitting in anticipation, but we're serving, and we're serving. And you know what happens while you're serving God? You end up start seeing all these answered prayers, in other people's lives. And you start serving people, and you start serving people, and all of a sudden you hear how God is working in their life, and the love that you've extended to them now becomes a blessing in their life. And you're waiting for God on this other promise, and you're waiting for Him. But while you're waiting, you're serving this family here, and you're serving this neighbor right here, and you notice that this person is without a job, and you notice this thing is happening, and you start just loving the people that are right in front of you. All of a sudden, while you're waiting, God is filling up your joy. He's filling up your gratitude. And now when God delivers on that thing that you've been waiting for, you're in the right place to receive it. So this Christmas, while you're waiting, I want you to serve. I don't mean you have to sing here on a Sunday morning on the stage. It doesn't necessarily look like that. You know what service looks like? It's like inviting someone to lunch today. It's like loving someone you know who's going through a really difficult time. It's those moments where we get to love one another and serve one another, and all of a sudden, the time that we're waiting is better served because we're doing it together, and God actually answers. Peace that passes all understanding, even while we're waiting. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, there's so many things we are waiting for, I think, right now. there's husbands and wives waiting for each other there's kids that are that are waiting for their parents there's uh, people waiting on hearing from you about diagnoses we've got a few of our church family waiting right now at the hospital And they're just waiting. They're waiting for news. They're waiting on you. Our church sits right across the street, Lord, of a building that that represents a lot of waiting when it comes to the court system and things that are being sorted out through lawyers and things. It's a lot of waiting going on. Father, I pray that. we'd embrace these promises that you've given for what they're worth, Lord. Father, uh, the children of Israel waited hundreds and hundreds of years for the Savior. And yet you waited until it was the perfect moment at the perfect time. We, We intellectually know that the lord is not slow concerning his promises father would you help us embrace that with our hearts and our minds as well that in the moments of our life where we are waiting for you to answer where we're waiting for you to show up where we are waiting for you that there are other places in our life you're asking us to just love people and to serve one another And I truly believe that as we love people, as we serve one another, more and more people get their prayers answered by the community we've established, by the church family loving on one another. So right now I'm asking you to put in our hearts a family or a loved one that we could serve, that we could love this week, above and beyond what we maybe already are planning to do for Christmas, but there's someone in our family, there's someone in our church family, there's someone around our house, a neighbor that just could use some love where we could wait on you while loving someone. Who's that person in our life? I pray that every person here would be touched with the name of someone that they could love specifically. How amazing would this week be if our church just loved people where they were this week, being the hands and feet of Jesus, pointing them to a Savior through the simple act of love and kindness this week. So while the music plays, I pray, Lord, that you would gift us that person we could love this week. then father as we're waiting on you on these areas in our life lord i pray that we would not lose heart that we would not lose our joy but we would recognize that we're waiting on a good gracious father who loves us because no one has heard or perceived no eye has seen a god besides you who act for those who wait for him We invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.